Oh, no, no. I remember when he said, okay, say you have a condom on and you're going to have sex with someone with AIDS. This is how much it protects you. This chalk is the AIDS and the outside is your body. And he just fully opened the window and threw the chalk out. And he was like, you're still getting AIDS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, we went he to the worst fucking school. He also gave us step-by-step -step instructions on how to, like, continuously huff glue. Like, we're taught to tape it to the side of your face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And what type of tape would you say? There are good movies and there are great movies. But that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. We are three film masochists who love to take on the worst movies we can find, centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay, and I'm joined by Dave, here, and Casey. Power received is power achieved. <laughs> Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. Dave, what's this month's theme? Well, we have just finished up the very long month of Out of Context with Dear God, that doozy of a show. What are you doing, stepbrother? The anime. It's, so it's a show of a month. It's, <laughs> it's short but long. You know what I mean? Yeah, there were many episodes, but it was a long month. Short yeah, and so wide. We're going to get back into our wheelhouse with School Sucks Month. Uh, this month, we are looking for movies about schools, substitute teachers, colleges, universities. Maybe some night classes will slip in there. I don't know. We're going to see what we can see. So, Casey, you're kicking us off. What did we watch this week? Heavy on the substitute teaching, because I brought 1996's The Substitute, starring Tom fucking Berenger, Ernie <laughs> Hudson, Luis Guzman, Greendale uh, Community College's mascot, uh, the dude from, the choreographer from Showgirls, this, sh this movie is Showgirls adjacent, just so everyone knows, and the ever-beautiful William Forsythe, who just brings a fucking <laughs> chaotic energy to every film he's in that I appreciate more than I can ever express. All right, Casey, before we get into this too much, we're going to need an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in 10 seconds or less. Oh, so here's your setup. You're in high school, and the substitute, Tom Berenger, just walked in. And he's trying to get roll no. call, but, you know, you, you can't shut your fucking mouth. Never. So you try to run your mouth and Tom, he's not having any of it. He's about to break your hand and send you down into the school nurse. So in the 10 seconds before you have to get your ass up and walk down to the nurse, sell us on this movie. What happens when the bad guy from Platoon and the good guy from Ghostbusters switch roles and come to your high school? For me personally, sploosh. Hitting kids has never been so sexy. 10 seconds. And you had both sploosh and child violence in there. That's, okay. that's yeah. an interesting combination. This took, me a, this took me so long to write because all that would go through my mind when I'm like, elevator pitch was Tom Berenger choke me. <laughs> and I don't like it. But that's that. I didn't know I was into Tom Berenger. I don't think I've, I remember him in any movie. And I saw this and I was like, oh, fuck. Is that my new kink? Oh, damn it. You know. I guess in this one, I am kind of glad they did the Hollywood thing and aged up all of the high schoolers by a significant margin because 
nom vet beats the shit out of 17 year old might have hit a little different if the 17 year old was actually 17 yes absolutely maybe but i i was gonna rant about that but you make a good point dave right also really quick mark anthony is 28 in this movie is he what yes (laughs) you said they aged up the kids i was like nah and then i was like oh my. Yikes. <laughs> okay. He does not look 28. He does look like a teenager. I don't know that I'd go that far, but he doesn't look 28. All right. All right. All right. Plot is in session. Boys, tell us what the fuck just happened. The substitute is a pretty average guy. Tom Berenger plays Shale, who's, you know, your typical Vietnam veteran mercenary who transitions from botching operations in Cuba to teaching inner city youths. How else are we supposed to learn them damn kids? Well, not exactly. See, Shale just pretends to be a teacher because his girlfriend got kneecapped by a local gang called the Kings of Destruction, led by... Mark fucking Anthony, y'all, who is 28 (laughs) in this movie, which is upsetting to find out, but... He's he's been held back 11 times or so. That's (laughs) it. That's it. it. Well, maybe that explains why he seems to run the school, because men want to be him and women want to feed him. He's so skinny. Even when Shale breaks a student's hand in class, Mark, he's unmoved. And day two, when Shale gets some control over this rowdy-ass class, Mark just gives some extra sass. Only when Mark is late and Shale makes him write I'm sorry on the chalkboard a hundred times, does Mark finally put a target on that teacher's back. Yeah, and Mark proceeds to spell sorry, S-O-R-E-Y, a hundred times <laughs> on the blackboard. And the he's man Canadian. who's allegedly teaching him does not correct it. At all. No. That's why he was held back 11 years. Uh, Yeah, every single grade. (laughs) He's so sorry. Like, a Canadian apology is more heartfelt than an American. Uh, Actually, legally, a Canadian apology is less heartfelt than an American one because the Canadian legal code specifies that I'm sorry does not count as an admission of guilt. Because they so innately say I'm sorry, they had to specify. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. So sorry. Sorry to derail all that. It was just a fun fact I had to share. Mark goes to Principal Rollet, prompting the administrator to fire Shale for beating up the kids. But Shale reminds him there's a two-week waiting period to fire someone, and there's more kids to beat up still. (laughs) Shale's gotten the sneaking suspicion that there aren't just gangs in the school, but also maybe some pounds of some sweet, sweet coca. How do we beat these kids? (laughs) That should have been the name of the movie. Well, instead, Shale does some recon and tries to cozy up to Principal Rollet, learning that he was a cop who left the game to be a teacher under completely unsuspicious circumstances. There's nothing weird about it. Why are you asking so many questions? Shale, going under the name Jim Smith, who has, you know, like a BA from Harvard and two MAs from Yale and a PhD from Galaxy Brain University because that totally looks like a legitimate education, for exactly the kind of Vietnam vet with scars all over him. Yeah, like, he must have just got out of school, because that's, like, I don't know, like, 20 years of schooling or some <laughs> know, shit. Like, right? he he dipped in, was in Vietnam for the first three months, and then just spent the rest of the time in fucking school getting all these, like, degrees and certifications and shit. So Shale gets his Merc buddies to set up surveillance on the school, including putting cameras in the bathrooms, which is Fine, I guess, since we're rooting for him. I don't know. That was a little weird. Yeah, very weird. 
In an M. Night Shyamalan twist, Shale learns that Roley is working with Anthony smuggling cocaine. It's just vertical integration. Roley buses it in, in literal school buses, stores yeah. it in the boiler room, and then the kings of destruction sell it to the students. Oh, like when you like sell cheese laxative and toilet paper, but like the cocaine replaces the laxative and the cheese? No, I don't, I don't think I want a cocaine laxative, Casey. So, Shale and his crew interrupt the deal and steal the money. In response, Roley and Mark set up a drive-by on Shale. But instead of getting biggied, he gets 50 and just shows his ass back up to work. Yeah, Shale didn't even get shot. He faked the whole thing. Much to the yeah. dismay of Roley, who had just announced his death over the intercom for the entire <laughs> school. It was a little cold. Shale locates and murders the cocaine middle management with his old non-buddies, forcing Roley to get reinforcements. Meanwhile, Mark crashes at Shale's girlfriend's house, but think less couch surfing and more pistol whipping. Yeah, pistol whipping's for all until Shale finally shows up and shuts <laughs> that shit down. Next stop is the Columbia High School Showdown, and you don't want to be late in a fight between Vietnam vets and high school kids with semi-autos led by Principal Winston from Ghostbusters, do you? No. <laughs> no. Okay, that's sort of my dream scenario, so yeah, I'm in. Roley and friends beef up security, but they're no match for Shale's crew. Until they and everyone basically kill each other and it's up to Shale and Role to finish it while rolling in piles of loose cocaine. The mono Imano struggle ends with Shale perfectly executing the shove the nose bone into the brain fatality. Yeah, which is not a thing. No bone. <laughs> Never mind. Side note, that was another thing from this. I miss 90s movies when you had the white guy who knew secret kung fu that always looked like something that's suspiciously easy for someone who didn't stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who groans when they tie their dress shoes in the morning, you're pretty, uh, pretty killer and lethal. The substitute ends with Shale and the last surviving Merc, Joey Six, pointing out that it's been three hours and the cops still haven't shown up. Okay, the, since it is School Sucks Month, I have to know, how did this compare to your guys' high school experience? The, the teacher who shows up and spends all class talking about his Vietnam War experiences, that felt pretty accurate for my underfunded high school experience. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Not so much on the, uh, you know, the, the, the barbed wire fences and the, yeah, and the, the, metal the metal detectors. detectors like... You know, that, that wasn't quite my experience. And I will say the students at mine who were dealing drugs were nowhere near on this level. No, it was all really just like dirt weed at most. Oh man, D maybe Lucy's. You could buy some Lucy's at lunch if you wanted a cigarette, but for the there most was one part, student who just stopped showing up at some point, and the rumor was that he had gotten in bad with some high level drug dealer and had to leave the state. But I don't know how true that was. Wait, no. you had people selling fucking single cigarettes? Yes, absolutely, because they had I, the I, parrot I, that would sexually harass yeah. women. <laughs> When you yeah. go in. Casey, you're Wait, forcing what? me to... Like an actual parrot that sexually yeah. harassed women? Yes, yeah. Dave knows what I'm talking about. Oh, I yeah. remember. At, the buddies, at yeah. the buddies over there by Subway, right? Across the street yes. from Subway? Right. Yes, Correct. yes, yes. Yes. They always had the I best I know exactly what you're talking about. And the most sexually harassing bird <laughs> I've yet to meet. I forgot about that. Like, what? Yeah, hey, hot stuff. Okay. Did. And... They did also illegally sell loose cigarettes, and you're forcing me to recontextualize some elements of my wow. youth that I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, that's... So So when I was in high school, there, there was a girl that would just suck your dick for a pack of cigarettes. And cigarettes are like, I don't know, 
five bucks a pack at the time. So that feels like a really yeah, efficient trade off if you could buy if you could buy cigarettes. Also, like, you know, that's how, like, Eileen Werno started, right? So you may want to, like, Google her name and stay out of whatever county she's in. Um, I don't know that I want to know. I, I'd okay. just rather remain ignorant. So we didn't have metal detectors. Uh, we didn't have a daycare. They had a daycare there. I did get to see a teacher pick a student up by the throat once and slam him against a wall, which was fucking sweet. Because that <laughs> kid spit in the drinking fountain. And I don't think, let's call him... Mr. R was having a good day and apparently really cares about public safety. Dave, you know the Mr. R I'm talking about. And oh, I'm picked, familiar with this specific incident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> picked up this kid and slammed him against the fucking walls and screamed in his face. It was awesome. So did did Mr. R not get in any trouble for no punching oh, a God, child no. against no, the wall? Not. No, he was tenured. I, this is a like motherfucker. The worst. I've I've seen him what? pick a student up and flip them upside down and shake them in midair. That was Never mind me, f- and that was math yes. class. That I was, was algebra. To call you out, but yeah. <laughs> he grabbed me like a bowling ball. He spanked me with a clipboard. One time, he drugged me around the track by the neck of my hoodie for a half a mile because I refused yeah. to run, and he could speed walk faster than my fat ass could run. Yeah, and all of this. You need to picture from a man wearing very short shorts with no underwear in the, under them. Prone to, like, deep knee lunges when you shouldn't be in those shorts. Yeah, if you oh, want to no, ask like, for help like in math class, shorts? he's putting his fucking New Balance on your desk and doing a deep <laughs> lunge rather than bending over to help you. Right. The, the librarian, for me, struck a chord because uh, the dead inside librarian that's just <gasps> yeah. harassed by kids was my exact experience. And I know because I may or may not have gotten suspended for calling her a book Nazi. Uh, our librarian <laughs> was cool as shit. Big ups to Marsha. You're a real one. She came to our wedding. She was cool as fuck. Our librarian was, was very chill. Very awesome. I fucks with her. Yeah, Hannah, the librarian and the substitute, was one of the few characters in this movie that I really empathized with because... <laughs> very much dead inside proceeds to watch students get thrown through plate glass windows out of the what second third story of this building second and story. just yeah. locks the door and lets it continue she then pulls oh. a 45 out of a desk drawer that it is not shown but i am positive has a bottle of something brown in it let's break this scene down because shale once he figures out that mark anthony the 28 year old teenagers gang <laughs> Is funneling <laughs> drugs through the school and they're on to him and principal Ghostbusters is also on to him. He knows he's going to be ambushed. So he sets it all up. So he ends up in the library. He wasn't planning on Hannah being there, but she is. And you know what? She's a down ass bitch because they break into the library. He's got everybody at gunpoint. He has them surrender their weapons, puts all the guns on like a book cart has her wheel him into the office and lock herself inside, and then just picks these fucking kids off left, right, and center. He's hiding on top of shit. He's hiding under shit. He's using one of those little rolly ladders to assault people. He throws books with ninja star accuracy while making catcher in the rye jokes catch this. <laughs> Required oh, reading. Get it? Get it? Get it? You did there. 
And then as he beats the shit out of each kid, he just throws them out the window. Throws them out the window. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we are later shown that they survived the fall and are more or less okay. They're fine. I refuse to believe he knew that at the time he threw them oh, out no. the window. Yeah. Okay, let's let's harken back to years ago when we watched The Substitute 2 with Treat Williams and B.D. Wong. Remember he shoved the kids down like a furnace chute and I'm pretty sure the Vietnam basement guy just cremated them whether they were, they were dead or not? Remember he threw them <laughs> all in his chutes and the, the secret... Vietnam janitor just made their bodies disappear and we never saw those kids again so at least these kids had a chance to live the other kids were thrown into a fucking fiery grave with their classmates like that one was more <laughs> fucked up that one for sure was more fucked up I don't just Tom Berenger kept the librarian safe the whole time and I feel like this movie missed an opportunity for a really great sex scene because when she came out of that office after she thought all those kids were dead, call it $5 because she was hot and ready. And so was I. <laughs> you know what wow. I mean? I was yeah. just like, oh, I'm into this. Surprise. I don't know that she was hot and ready and she was. just not like scared shitless because no. there were about to be a bunch of murdering in her library. And Dave, I wouldn't want to be a part of that person. Dave caught now, the vibe. I- Hannah was into it. Hannah was definitely into it. I'm on he Casey's. Snapchatted I agree me. I was with like, Casey on this one. I'm not on her side on this one, but oh, there's it's the same thing. It's I, the same. I definitely horse dressed up like a zebra, Dave. The fault definitely falls on Tom Berenger, though, because at the end of that scene, he got shot in the chest while he was wearing a bulletproof vest, mm-hmm. and he he has to take off one of the shoulders of the vest to like show the wound from the bullet. You know, you got to see the bruise because movies got to do that. But it is right above his nipple. And like you watch (laughs) his finger, (laughs) you can see the man fighting not to rub his nipple throughout the scene. And he has those bedroom eyes. Like he's like making direct eye contact while he's rubbing his not nipple. And like he like so slowly and sensuously takes off that bulletproof vest. And he's she's just like. She's got that gun, and I think he took it because he was afraid she was going to, like, accidentally discharge because he has that effect on librarians, obviously. (laughs) Jay, I'm not going to say that it was there and you missed it. I'm just saying, watch the scene again, but play the sax breakdown from Careless Whisper and tell (laughs) me you don't feel the energy. All right, I will. Yeah, no, the vibe was there and 100% was into it. Dave, you were also really triggered about when they stole the drug money and gave it back to the school. Oh, my God. And they bought everybody Papa John's. But what else did they do for these kids? Shale steals the drug money, and he uses all of the drug money to buy supplies for the school. There's laptop computers. There's TVs. There's books. Philanthropy. There's also new instruments for the band department, which includes just a loose pile of tubas on the curb. tubas. Look, I understand that a tuba case is not immediately identifiable to, like, your average Joe Schmo on the street. It hurts the band nerds, though. Right. As a former band nerd, a pile of brass instruments on the curb is very, very upsetting. That is not a transport instrument. You are going to get screamed at 
by a very short, angry man with a pokey stick if he sees your fucking brass on the ground. You put it in a no. case. Okay. Just put it in a case. Okay, let's let's talk about things you can't unsee. I want to give this movie a good grade, but there were some major flaws. Like, in any Kay. action scene where someone gets thrown back, the fucking prop string is glaringly <laughs> apparent. Or, like, when they r- launch the rocket from the rocket launcher, it looks yes. like a Jim Henson, like, not even a string, but a stick that it rides onto to go blow someone out. Like, oh, there yeah, are I, strings everywhere. The RPG scene is one of my... my absolute favorites for how trashy this film is because the rpg is just on a string and coming at the camera and it is obvious and then when it hits the guy and it explodes you can see a giant white string yanking one of the guys back it is not the best example of action i've ever seen in my entire life it was like 50 sci-fi bad (laughs) like all of the action in this movie is pretty goddamn awful which is not i mean it is the movie's fault but it's kind of also not because it's coming from that like 80s 90s era of action movies where you basically just had to stand there with a gun and shake it and then they'd add in some special effects later okay Uh, i don't know how true this is i don't know how true this is but i read on the imdb trivia page that steven seagal was supposed to be in this movie and it's more in line with like a Seagal action movie than like a Van Damme action movie. Nobody is classically trained in martial arts. So it's like dad, drunk dad fighting. So I think that plays a big role in the action and lack of paying attention to how it fucking looks on camera. Sort of a deal. Uh, I will say though, while it's not necessarily good action, uh, our our hero of the film, Tom Berenger, playing Shale, every time he gets punched, the look on his face is like a man who realizes that he shouldn't have trusted that fart. And it is absolutely <laughs> delightful. Yes. And you know what? Speaking of farts, I like that this movie didn't take itself too seriously because there is a fart joke in the beginning of a movie that crescendos into a man shitting his pants while being choked by Tom Berenger. And if you want to talk laxatives, that's a good one. I, I feel like the, the action is sort of a double-edged sword. I'm glad that Steven Seagal was not in it because yeah. his lazy fucking action is terrible. And Tom Berenger's slow plotting action is is actually kind of good, right? So, like, it's not good action in the sense that it's not a, a Sly Stallone, right, or a Kurt Russell or... Or a real martial artist like like Jet Li, for example, or uh, Jackie Chan. But it does give you a good everyman feel. And it's slow and it's plotting. But it feels like the kind of drunken bar fight between like two redneck guys at 1 a.m. that have had way too much Bud Light and are kind of slugging it out in the parking lot. Like, they nailed that feel. Yeah, yes, I but mean... was that the feel they were going for? I don't know. I don't Considering know. Considering one works. was supposed to be a drug runner and the other one was supposed to be special ops. I don't know yeah. if that was quite what they intended. Okay, well... but you got to think one was special ops, but he was also like, he admitted like he was out of his prime. He's old, blah, blah, blah. And I think you are criminally misrepresenting this scene because, yes, it's a fight between Tom Berenger and this giant uh-huh. eye. 
But the best part of the scene is William Forsythe, who we not really mentioned yet, is in this no. movie. He's one of yes. Tom Berenger's Vietnam buddies. He, so Tom Berenger already beat this guy, and William Forsythe shows up, holds a gun to Tom Berenger, makes the guy who already got beat get up and start fighting again, and, and starts and commentating. Forsythe is supposed to be on Tom Berenger's side. Is he though? William Forsythe yeah, is on William Forsythe's side. side at all times, <laughs> right, and I respect right. that. He is, what is chaotic, chaotic? That's his d <laughs> alignment. He's just a fucking black hole of awesome. And so he's commentating this fight like, yeah, fuck him up. Get him in blah, blah, blah. And then he yells, he like threatens to shoot Tom Berenger. He's like, none of that ninja kicking shit. And so now yeah. Tom Berenger can't kick. Like, first yeah. of all. I would give my left nut to fucking get rid of Joe Rogan and get William Forsythe in character commentating UFC. I would want to get back into that again. <laughs> Number one, and they would have to follow his rules. Number two, he has fucking fair faucet hair and yellow cocaine glasses, and they're great the whole time. Yeah. It just <laughs> yeah. adds. So this yeah. fight, this fight and is. And a five o'clock shadow. They are, you know, fucking each other up. Eventually, Tom Berenger, who is exhausted, finally beats this guy. And then when all said and done, William Forsythe just looks at him and goes, who's crazy now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the end. That's the end. Clearly the still you. Clearly still you. Yes, this scene was fucking awesome, but we need to take it back before that fight which is what happens when you take William Forsythe to a gun range. And I've actually rewatched this clip on YouTube of when Tom Berenger's pitching the job to his crew, like, hey, yeah, it's at a high school. And they're like, man, what the fuck? We're not going to go to a high school. He's like, listen, there's no pay, but where there's drugs and money, there's free money, so we'll, we'll get it. And William Forsythe loses his goddamn mind and is just dropping F-bombs and slurs all over the place. And there is literally a family with like a four-year-old child five feet behind him. He does not give a fuck. Like, you know those people who like just scream that shit in public and you're like, dude, we are in a fucking Publix grocery store. Can you please just <laughs> maybe take it off the speakerphone? No one needs to hear okay. you fight with your baby daddy like this okay not here but to be fair we are not in a Publix grocery store we're in a florida gun range and i feel like if you bring your four-year-old to a florida gun range they've That's probably the been exposed to worse already that gun range probably has a fucking daycare it's florida dave also i don't think that kid was wearing earmuffs so I guess no he wasn't i know because <laughs> i was triggered as fuck i'm like wait why does that child have fucking headphones on what the i don't know there was also like that weird scene where tom berenger just grabbed william forsyth by the dick and balls at the the gun range his william william forsyth was like eh, you don't have any more balls he's like maybe i could borrow yours and just like gets in there man that's do you guys do a that very effective ever? tactic no no but like it will work a hundred percent like, girlfriends, we boob honk, but not hard. You know what I mean? It's just like, honk, honk, bye. No, I will, I will vomit. I will vomit on you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Okay. I just, I actually just thought of something else that, sorry to jump around too much, but so towards the end of the film, 
when Shale realizes that his girlfriend's house has been taken over by the gang and he gears yeah. up to go over there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we see him go over to what appears to be just like a planter full of ninja stars in his apartment, kind of like the paper so clips excited. from The Good yeah. Place. Yeah. Yes. Did he use any of the ninja stars? Yes. No, he did. not at all. Yes, he did. Did he? Yes, he did. Really? He used them at his girlfriend's apartment. He threw them at one Where? of the gunmen. He, no, he, he threw not. a knife. He had a yeah. throwing knife that he pulled out, that he stabbed the guy in the he, leg, and then he threw it at someone else. Correct. He also used the ninja stars because I was like making a mental note. I was like, God, I would love to go on vacation with Tom Berenger and have him pack my bags. Like, what kind of fun surprises would I find trying to pull out mascara? I was like, oh, my God, ninja stars. Girl, you are too much. Get over here. I you love you. You could totally fly with ninja stars. Yeah, yeah no, you, you could just could. have them in your pocket. You could still smoke on planes, and it was fucking great. So here's a question. Do we need to have in our house a candy dish full of ninja stars, right? Like, guests come over. I don't know if they want to, like, throw ninja stars at some shit, right? I don't want to yeah, be Yeah, absolutely. We don't host. have kids. That's, like, part of being, <laughs> being a dink. Double income ninja stars. Din. 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 Dins. We're Dins. Double income ninja stars. <laughs> cool. Also, he throws the ninja stars at people. Or I guess he does, and they just go down. That's not how ninja stars work. They don't actually really. They're basically like they're pretty much pocket sand. It's just something to try and huck at people's eyes while you run away. Listen, <laughs> if I'm fighting someone and they bring ninja stars, I'm going to dug it and just pretend to be dead till they go away. <laughs> they're weird. That's fair. Like none of the gang members were actually hurt that badly. They just, oh, fuck it. I'm not paid enough for this. No, this guy's fucking weird. Absolutely okay. not. I was skeptical about Mark Anthony's death because he gets shot in the gut and just goes down instantly. Like, as yeah, but he's so headshot. skinny, it went through and broke his spine or something. Still shouldn't kill him. It's his lower spine. He would still be alive. Yeah, but if you're that skinny, you don't have that much blood to lose. Oh, you know what okay. I mean? Like it all fell out. Or it fell out at once. When you're 28, half your and you've been in fucking high school for 22 years, your blood is thinner and it just flies out. I don't know. Also, you got to think Everyone... about like all the lead poisoning in those Florida school water systems. Like he all was the circling the drain as it was. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone 100%. in this movie dies when the script calls for them to die. William Forsythe gets blasted <sighs> yeah. in the shoulder, and then like 12 minutes later is alive to deliver a kill shot to Ro to one of Role's minions and then just immediately die after that. Forsyth is alive because he's covered in a ton of cocaine yes. and he was kicking in people's faces for fun. So yes. he had like a fucking a jolt shot to just get that last fucking fire off before he went out. If I'm ever find sense. out like I'm dying, can like someone my make a wish be like party with William Forsyth for one night so I'm guaranteed <laughs> to die that night but I'm going to have a hell of a time like there is like you mentioned there's a scene where I yeah. don't remember how all the cocaine got kicked everywhere but there's just like mm. mountains of cocaine in this school basement and he has a drug dealer tied up and he keeps kicking cocaine at him he's like you look like a snow angel <laughs> like, yeah, William Forsyth should have been dead but like he was just leaking more cocaine than blood sort of a deal so, yeah, the 12 minutes checks out. Like, finally, yeah. the cocaine was out of his system. Okay, so the cocaine is there because they, that was the boiler room where they were storing the cocaine. And 
<clears throat> Shale got down there and set some bombs in it so that when they first opened it to check on it, it exploded and sent cocaine flying everywhere, right? Oh, yeah. So not only does, like, like, everybody should just be coked out of their fucking gourds in that room because you walk in and it's just vaporized cocaine in the air. Basically, if you were standing over that, you would have gotten boofed so fucking hard that you would have climbed through the boiler system and onto the roof and <laughs> flown away. Very, very much so. Why is everybody in this room shitting? I was pissed that William Forsythe died. I was pissed that Luis Guzman died, but he went out like a G. Like a like, G. He knew like he was going to die. So he pretended yeah. to be dead and already like, had taken the pin out of his grenade. So when the guy came to check him, he's like, surprise, motherfucker. Luis Guzman has by far the best death in the movie because there is nothing like going out, blowing two motherfuckers up with a grenade. I love that. On top of the school, nonetheless. It was great. You know, now uh, that I think about it, I just think the substitute doesn't actually give a shit about the actual effects because like. Okay, the people drop from just instantly getting hit by a ninja star or a throwing knife, even though those are basically just like circus tricks that wouldn't actually kill a man instantly. But then when when Shale goes to confront the farting drug dealer, he meets him at a high ally court. And the farting drug dealer whips the pelota ball at him, and Shale just kind of lets it bounce off his shoulder and then can, proceeds to beat the shit out of him with a helmet. And while that is cool, I've watched a lot of Archer, which means I know that that high <laughs> ball feels like it's made out of limestone and can be served at nearly 200 miles per hour. You don't just shrug that shit off, my man. Well, okay, the yeah. guy throwing it at him well. is a white guy, so he probably doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of wimpy. And also, I would like to interrupt and say he's not the farting drug dealer. He's the shitting drug dealer because Tom Berenger makes him shit his pants when he first meets up with him, when he picks him up and chokes him against the wall. Okay, which, he blames he it on his, his morning fiber routine. Okay, let me... He shit oh, his pants one okay, time. so Tom Berenger picks me up and chokes me, and I'm just like, sorry, it's my prenatal vitamins. Like, I can just <laughs> use my diet as an excuse for whatever physiological yeah. reaction I have to being choked by Tom Berenger. Sure, that's how that works. <laughs> no, sorry, I just... I just remembered that with Steven Seagal originally being planned for this, the shitting the pants scene could have been very different. <laughs> you know what? I know we keep hopping back and forth, but the end scene when they're storming the school and Tom Berenger is like trying to talk to Ernie Hudson. He's like, we want to keep all the money and blah, blah, blah. And Luis Guzman is like, hey, they've got snipers down there. And just as you see, like, a sniper light go onto his friend's forehead, Tom Berenger blocks that shit with a gun butt. That was the coolest fucking thing in the movie. Yeah. And it yeah. didn't even hit the guy in the head. He was just like, no. Pure source energy. Oh. Absolutely not. Yeah, don't it's push your buddy out of the way. Just like, it it's very implausible, but it was so fucking great. I it loved it. Was cool. it. Loved I loved it. it. Also, I have to say, he was a super, he was just like a delight as a teacher. Like once he fell into that role on the second day, he was a good teacher. And he was also a really supportive partner to his girlfriend. Not problematic at all. Like, you know how Sylvester Stallone was a really good dad and over the top? Tom Berenger was a great fucking boyfriend. Like, 
the that lady had no reason to be mad at him. Yeah, like he lies about his secret ops thing. Cool. Like he's helping you get around with your broken ass leg and shit. He's gonna go beat up the gang that broke your leg. Like that's that's a partner. That's I mean, lovely. It, it's also implied that he disappears for like years at a time. No, it's just months. So, yeah. That's fine. So that's still I'm not like a, a great cat. partner. And also, a substitute teacher who shows up and tells you about his time in biker gangs in the Vietnam War is a fun substitute teacher, but I'm not going to say he's a good substitute. Right, right. There were the substitutes that were good, and I generally didn't like them. And there were right. the substitutes I liked because they didn't do any fucking teaching right. and just told me crazy stories about when they were choking human beings' lives out of them from the bush. Like, what did his kids actually learn from him beyond predominant gangs in Miami during the 40s and 50s? They learned where <laughs> Vietnam right. was at because one girl asked if it was in Korea. And then That's true. They also learned that Vietnam didn't happen during World War One or didn't involve Hitler, and neither did World War One. They actually did learn a lot, Dave. You weren't paying attention. You're going to be a 28-year-old senior, Mark Anthony. Also, really quick... The fucking fashion in this movie was so 1996. Like oh, that, it hurt. like it that hurt. tan Nike it was like pullover. My brother fucking yeah. had that. I was like, oh my god, I recognize that. I stole that sometimes. <laughs> wow. The the colors, the fits, and the specific things people wore were all very painfully 90s. The one it pant leg rolled up. Me. Yeah. So our villain of the film is Ernie Hudson playing Principal Roley. Um, kind of a little over the top at the beginning of it when he apparently demonstrates both corporal punishment and his ability no. to break a wooden board at the beginning of every school year. It was so <laughs> cool. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That was my favorite fucking part. Oh, my God. I loved that. Me too. It he looks like cool a fucking beast in this film. Like, Ernie yeah, Hudson looks huge. Yeah, because he, what he breaks is a wooden paddle, and when he pulls it off of the wall, Ernie's fucking monstrous compared to this paddle, and it does not look like a small paddle. No, he's got guns on him. Like, I was looking at, like, right. one of his, like, glamour shots, and I was like, damn, Ernie Hudson's fucking arms are jacked. <laughs> okay, but it's not just a wooden paddle. It's a wooden paddle that he makes the woodshop class make for him. Uh-huh. And I just... I would really like to be a fly on the wall when the principal walks into the woodshop <laughs> and asks them for a paddle and all of those students have to have that what fucking school did I just show up to conversation. Listen, yeah. I'll tell you what school Ernie Hudson teaches. The school where power perceived is power received. He says that with such vitriol, too. That <laughs> line is delivered with, like, such menace and hate at Tom Berenger. He's like, it serve you well to remember that. And I was like, oh my God. It, it It's super threatening. Like, you know so, what? I'd rather so you Role be disappointed, a, not mad. Right. Role is supposed to be, I guess it's supposed to be quote unquote, a twist when we find out that Role is the bad guy, but it's clearly foreshadowed immediately. However, Ernie Hudson leans into it and is very threatening. He feels powerful in this film and it works as a villain. Like, I was super bought into his villainousness, and it doesn't feel too too over the top or cheesy, but it is the right amount of cheese. Rolex rocking a fucking Rolex. Good for him. I also hope he had a Rolls Royce. 
keep it rolling on. You know, the more the more I think about though that scene of him breaking the paddle, that's got to be like he specifically had the wood shop make him a breakaway paddle. You can't because he's holding it in one hand and oh, yeah. punching it with the other. Yeah, that no. does not work. No, no, it's all. it's movie magic. Yeah, like you need somebody to else has to hold ends. the board for you to break right. it. Right. It's just nope. gonna rotate away from the hand. Right. Your wrist isn't that strong, Ernie. Right. right. Yours isn't. His is. Well, right. Touche. So Ernie, Ernie is a bad guy, and he does kill one of the, the sympathetic teachers, played by Glenn Plummer, who's who's fantastic in this film, and and plays one of the few empathetic, interesting characters. But uh, but he kills Ernie kills Glenn Plummer's character. And when he does it, it looks like he takes a gun and sideways gangster shoots him in the ass to kill him. Yeah. It really looks like an up-the-butt shot. Yeah, and cut- maybe that's worse. I don't know. Right. Like, they cut to a wide shot, and the character reacts as though he's been shot in the heart or the head and just instantly right. stops moving. But they did not line it up correctly at no. all. So that gun is pointed <laughs> straight up his butthole. Right. So maybe maybe he shot him so, like, it went right up the butthole right through all of his innards, up the spine, through the neck, and into the brain. Ernie Hudson's a hell of a shot. My other favorite thing... call that thing, the colonoscopy. <laughs> my other favorite thing with Ernie Hudson's character is at the beginning of the movie, when they're still trying to pretend like he's not the bad guy and that it's a big twist, he meets with the gangs like in secret in the bathroom and he does the like, I'm going to talk to the air while I'm washing my hands. But then the movie just stops giving a shit. So him and the gang members leave in the middle of the day and go get in his car together. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't this supposed to be a secret, Ernie? Yeah. No, Why nobody are you just hanging out with the gang leader during the middle of the day? MBD. Like you walked past like several dozen students and got in your car in front of them. All right, listen, I'm not tenured and I don't get paid to babysit you guys after school. So I need to know 1996 is the substitute. Would you watch it again? Oh, man. So uh, knowing that this could have been a Steven Seagal movie kind of changes the way that I look at the film and <laughs> The the substitute is completely implausible. It's got some white saver bullshit. It's not really good action. It's not really an original story. It's sort of paint by numbers. Roger Ebert gives this a scathing review, and he's not wrong at all. <laughs> at all. However, that being said, William Forsyth is a fucking gem. And so is Ernie <laughs> Hudson. I really grew to enjoy Tom Berenger's vanilla performance because yeah i mean he has like no personality but it kind of works and it makes more sense that it would have been seagal and he does it better than seagal does he's more believable and i really i really had a lot of fun with it like i really had a lot of fun with the substitute so yeah yeah i'm gonna watch the substitute again so dave what about you 1996 the substitute would you watch it again you know, it's funny that you reference Roger Ebert's review because literally as you said that, I was pulling up Roger Ebert's review to reference it in my own Would You Watch It Again. <laughs> so I just, I want to use his specific words here because he said, I am so very tired of this movie. I see it at least once a month. The title changes, the actors change, and the superficial details of the story change, but it is always about the exact same thing. Heavily armed men shooting at one another. 
And yeah, Roger, (laughs) you kind of got it there. I have seen this movie many, many times before. I'm pretty sure I've seen this specific film before, but it's hard to pick out of the cloud of films like this that I have seen before. So I don't know that I would watch The Substitute again. There are three more substitutes that were straight to DVD starring Treat Williams that I could watch instead. (laughs) Or a whole collection of nearly identical films that I can watch and get all of the same energy and emotions out of it. So even though this wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen by any means, and I had fun with it, I just don't know that there was enough here for me to watch this specific film about heavily armed men shooting at one another again. Wow. So no, I I don't think so. But Casey, how about you? This was your choice to kick us off for the month. Uh, So The Substitute, would you watch it again? Oh, fuck yeah. I can't believe this was my first time watching this. Um, I It was delightful. It was just enough over the top. They Every time you start to kind of slip out a little bit, they fucking sprinkle a little William Forsyth and his pure chaotic energy in there. I'm adding some things to my kink book. I, yeah. I be, Oh, yeah. Just... Tom Berenger, Ernie Hudson. I didn't know I was into Ernie Hudson, but I'm into you. So call me Ernie. Um, The verdict is in. Two out of three of us would watch The Substitute. Fuck you, Dave. You need to go to timeout. You're in timeout. That's what you deserve because you're being a baby. Many other movies like this. As soon as I got done watching this, I wanted to watch The Substitute too. Like, I want to go down the line now. I want to see them beat all these kids. Fuck reaching the kids. Beat the kids. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, well, Jay, let's see if you can do any better next week. What are you going to bring? Ooh, so if we're going to go back to high school, there is a high school movie that I've watched more than once and I feel like is going to be perfect for shitty cinema. And it came out the same year as The Substitute, 1996. But this one stars a ton of great people, including... The wonderful John Lovitz in oh. High School High. I've oh, never God. seen this. <laughs> well, we're just going to have to wait till next week to get a note signed by our mom saying we can go on this adventure with you, Jay. In the meantime, follow us on social media, Facebook at sh.ttycinema, Twitter at Bad Movies, Bad People, PPL, Instagram at casey.cinema, Patreon slash shittycinema, or shittycinema.com. Check the description below if you didn't catch all that. If you want to help us out, give us a thumbs up on Facebook and share this podcast with friends. And in the meantime, let's turn off the lights, pack up my ninja stars, and throw some fucking kids out the window. And also, chase our newest Patreon. We fucking love you. We fucking love you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Because Boston makes you feel good. Huh?